Welcome back. Today on the podcast, we have Mr. Mark Roberge from the great OAR. Um, Mark's a badass dude. Uh, he's a phenomenal songwriter. Uh, he is also a stay-at-home dad when he's not on the road, just like me. Um, but it's really cool to to uh, to hang and chat with, with Mark. Uh, we have a lot in common. Um, he's just a really down-to-earth guy. Um, which it's always refreshing when you meet someone that's super down to earth, that's sold out MSG and Red Rocks and done all the things. Um, what's also really cool is our very last show before COVID was with OAR, um, and yeah, it was a uh, it was a badass thing. It was a badass thing to link up with those guys, and when the world turns back on, we're definitely going to do it again. Um, but yeah, we get into it all. Lots about music. Lots about being a papa so hope y'all dig without further ado this is mark that's some good some good uh rare footage of, of another dad uh, <laughs> totally meltdown. totally <laughs> all right mark welcome to the sad song podcast man how are you i'm doing great dude thanks so good to be here yeah man excited to uh to talk and connect again um yeah so you and i um both you said you had one more show, but our very last show was with, with you guys in Aspen. Um, and that was pretty much, you know, like three days after that show at the belly up was like when, when the COVID hammer kind of dropped and we, everyone kind of started realizing that stuff was about to change. Um, so yeah, what was that like for you guys? Cause I know you guys had a huge summer tour planned. Um, and then obviously that didn't happen. So what was that whole process like for you? And what have you been doing since that happened? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we were there together. Uh, we were out in Colorado and, and, and the world ended. I remember uh, two nights later, I'm sitting in a hotel in Virginia about to get on the early plane and watching Dateline. And Dateline was kind of getting into the, oh, well, this could be this, this, and this. And it could be this, this, and this. And I started to think, wow, this really could be something. I was very skeptical at the beginning because of growing up, I think we were aware of certain things that like that, I guess, but never to that magnitude. So the, the people were scared and I wasn't. But then after I saw that, I was. And I flew home, spent a month or two, you know, focused on the family and trying to reestablish or establish a plan of school. I hadn't been home since... I mean, I don't even know. We went away in 1997 to college. And in 2001, we left straight from school to the road with Kid Rock and like went on these tours and that was it. I'd never been home since like for long periods of time, like never months in a row. So I just stayed there and really tried to focus on that. And, and then my wife recommended maybe getting online and playing some songs and trying to I think she realizes what a therapy that is, you know, to play mm -hmm. and perform. Uh, she saw it before I did. So I went and did that for a while. We'd reached the end of this playing songs from the apartment vibe, um, started to do some shows. And then, I mean, I'm realizing, and I think along the way, I realized pretty quickly that what OAR does and what all musicians and bands and artists do is just you make stuff, something out of nothing, make new stuff, make songs. Like the only thing that ever, the reason you make songs is to deal with the world. So do that. And that's what I've been doing since. So I'm in the studio uh, a couple of days a week and at home a couple of days a week. And that's been my life. And I'm trying to make sure that I come out of this with some sort of reaction, not to like at all really what I think about current situations and past and politics and all these amazingly uh, uh, weird times like but more just what we always do is write songs about our lives and I think it, all those topics will get covered when you just talk about your own life because you know the weight of everything is on all of us right now so I just want to come out of this with a lot of songs uh, and hopefully a deeper connection to the to the fam and the roots and everything that like you're craving for 20 something years on the road like always talk yes. oh, I want to go home I want to be home for you know so yeah it's so funny it's so it. so funny how that works man is that it's like 
for me, this time has been really good because for me, it's only been six years of, of, of what you were saying, which is the like never home for more than maybe five, six weeks. And it's always yeah. that weird thing of like, when you're on the road, you wish you were home and then you're home and you're always kind of mentally preparing to leave again. So there's this weird thing where you're not ever really anywhere. You're like always for me anyway, it was always like preparing for the next phase. Um, and, and this time for me has helped me get like really present and just be like, no, dude, you're fucking home. There is no next thing for a while. Like you're just here, man. Um, but to what you were saying yeah. about, about writing, man, something that I've always really appreciated about OAR is, you know, I think there's a place for super political bands, like on the, on the other end of the coin of what I'm about to say is something I've always really loved about like dispatch or Franti is there's always kind of been this like flag waving, you know, but the thing that's always been really rad about OAR is that there isn't really uh it's music for everyone. It's like, if you are living a life, there's one of these songs is going to make sense to you and, and hit you in the heart, you know, and I think that's something as I'm getting older and with our new record, which is something I really strive to do is just like, man, fuck all of this. Let's just make songs for humans. You know, like everyone needs a good song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the OAR started because when I was, you know, 11 or 12, it was my first experience seeing like a family member or someone around you die, like get sick and die. And I was like, I didn't know what to do with that. So I wrote a song. I didn't know how to play guitar. So I found this dude, Richard, right? Who like knew how to play guitar and he, he had chords and then he taught me chords. And it's like, I was immediately chasing the therapeutic aspect of a song, right? So the next song was about uh, you know, my dad or, or the next one was about just, just the things that were directly affecting me as I was growing. So uh, that room, you know, 400 miles from home for the second time, but like really like, gone and thinking about things and I didn't know how to translate it so I would just like therapeutically write you know like I, I lived in Israel for a while in high school and went to high school there and all that and that's where I wrote crazy game of poker and all those songs because it was like reaction I felt like I was in a card game with the devil and it's just like I'm looking at these issues global issues and national issues and everything that we all experience but I'm writing songs about the weight of everything in life like on a day-to-day and I think that it touches on all those things because that's what's providing the weight. I mean, like the situation, these players, these people and, and these corporate, everything that is, is like interacting and reacting and making all this shit, shit, the good shit and the bad shit happen, that provides weight for us. And we have to like wade through this thing as life goes. And I just write songs about how it feels. And, and, and that's just been a habit. So when, as I'm getting older and I have a family of my own and it, becomes almost a responsibility to have an opinion. You have to have some sort of opinion or what, what is going on out there? Like, where do I put that into music or not? Or do I continue to just write about this, this the feelings that I have or the experiences of day-to-day life? And I've decided to continue what I started, the habit of reactionary writing, you know? I also write about wishful thinking like these characters who can go off and see a better place and a better world and that's where a lot of the hopeful messages come from is those characters like we all do at the end of the day you have all these regrets and plans right so like oh i should have been nicer earlier in the day or tomorrow i'm really going to wake up with positive so it's like highly localized writing well i think Um, that's i think that's huge for you guys though because one thing that that I've always noticed with music is like the more vulnerable you are. And and if you're writing about something like you're saying about feelings rather than like, okay, I'm going to really try to get this point across in this song. It's like, you know, human beings have the same emotional, um, 
you know, spectrum. So it's like when you're writing from that place, that's going to hit so many people, you know, like it, it was funny because um, when we were playing with you guys in Aspen, I had never heard that song. I think it's called Over, Under, Through. Yeah, I go through. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And I was just like, whoa, this is exactly what my life is like. This is exactly what being a touring musician is like. It's like I have this family at home. I have all these goals. And it's like everybody else goes like this and I just kind of fucking go like this, you know, <laughs> and it's like I'm sh I could tell that when you were writing that, that that was your song. That was like you processing this thing. But like, that's the magic. I was like, whoa, dude, this just perfectly describes my emotional spectrum of my life of like doing what I do. And because we're all just like trying to get somewhere like you're a provider. I can tell from what following your world your provider, your goal is to achieve something, uh, through, you know, your art, but provide, you know, yeah, and I think absolutely. that's what I want to do. So that whole song began when I'm sitting in a, in a taxi cab with my, my boy. And he says, you know, dad, uh, are you going, are you going to retire? And, and at the time I had never, it had never crossed my mind. And my dude was filming like this guy, my, my guy, Greg, who's filming a, a, like a movie and like, he caught me just just completely just caught by surprise by this kid are you gonna and i started to think about what does that mean and to him and what does it mean to me so there's like two different things to him what he's saying is when are you gonna be home and like when it, am i are you gonna be at every birthday or so what's the deal <laughs> like what's mm -hmm. going on here um to me it was uh you know, are you going to retire? Cause you know, you did it for so long, but that's not what he's dealing with. Right. So we wrote that song from the point of view of real, you know? Uh, yeah, this is like our job. This is what we're doing. We're going to provide everyone in this family has a role to provide, but um, there is a different like uh, angle everyone's looking at it from. So I need to teach myself to look at it from their angle more than me chasing down a dream. And I'm going to just be this road warrior. Cause that's what I want to be. Well, when you build a family, your responsibilities then become a lot more than that. And it's their dream. And that's what that song was. And that was a turning point for us to really focus on why are we doing this? Um, like, why? And, and we realized that everyone in this family, in all our families, supports what we're doing. And we should do it for that reason. You know, it's not a selfish, completely selfish endeavor. Uh, we're in this thing together and so it was our opportunity to kind of say thanks to them for all of the past years but thanks for allowing us to like keep doing this wild thing right um and i think that again and i appreciate what you're saying because uh i just want to write songs about what's what i'm feeling like at that time and i think that that's why the age group of your listeners follows you along your journey if you write from that place because they're going through it when you're going through it. Yeah. And the college part, the college party stuff we were doing, I was writing about what I was doing. Yeah. And, and, and then I was on the road and I was writing about that, you know? Yeah. So I want to talk about that. So it was funny because, um, I was right in that wheelhouse when you guys were, were coming up and it was like, there was like a small group of kids that I hung out with that were like super into you guys. And then it was like these little pockets, right? If I went to a college party or a high school party, you guys were undoubtedly going to come on. Um, and, and so many songs kind of like work their way into my friend group's story. You know, like I remember um, all of my closest friends were a year older than me. And I knew that they were all about to to move away. And it was like the end of summer. And I remember sitting on the the trunk of my friend Bobby's car and smoking a joint and listening to home and like crying with my boys of just like, fuck man. Like, we'll always have this, you know, like, let's just promise that we're all going to stay boys, like no matter what. And that was, that song was like a pivotal part of our story. And then all of a sudden, so you guys were kind of this like indie college phenomenon. And then you guys just were like, not that anymore. <laughs> like, so what was the, yeah. what was the hard left of like, being like, yeah, no, we're this band that everyone at college knows. We're like 
you know, if you're at a party, you're going to hear us to like, oh yeah, we fucking sold out MSG. What was the, what was the turning point? I'll tell you again, we were just going along this, this path of, I mean, you're sitting on a trunk listening to I Feel Home. I was sitting on a trunk writing I Feel Home with my, with my guys, Frank Newby and Mike Caputo, just a few miles from here. And, uh, writing about my friends in the field and writing about all the things you just mentioned. Right. So that was then. And I, again, another movie that I, a movie seemed to be something that I really draw to Goonies, uh, all these different stand by me. Yeah. You know, I wanted to live, I wanted to live that life that I saw in the movies. Well, that was then, this is now is like a movie title that I feel is a good reference here because that I was writing about that. Then we went away to college and wrote about that. And that became like a slightly bigger indie college Napster dispatch, uh, all these different things happening in Napster world. And then we got a record deal because we had the biggest indie label, one of the biggest ones there was. And then I'm on MTV with Sway and I'm at the Newport Music Hall at Columbus. And I'm like, this is crazy. So nothing was planned. There was never a, we're going to be the biggest indie bit. We're going to be the biggest bit. We're going to be, we never even thought, we always wanted to be a road band. We wanted to go on the road, play as many shows as we could. We saw Dave Matthews band doing it. We saw uh, coming up Genesis and Phil Collins and all these amazing artists and their concert videos. Pearl Jam was everything to me uh, and is, and I still love everything about him. But as we were going, I'm writing about it. So writing our first radio single songs, my, that was my first co-write with a big time producer writer person. So as the success was happening, it was all happening at, at like, I think the same pace as, as most of our fan base. They were leaving for college. They were in college. They were looking for jobs. They were in a realer world. And, and so were we. And I started writing about relationships and what that meant. And, and that's, again, just trying to keep it like in my lane. Uh, a reactionary thing goes all the way back to the therapeutic purpose music was in my life. And when that started to change genres or change like, you know, AAA radio to hot AC, the top four, whatever that is, that was merely my personal growth and my, the bandmates personal growth through life, you know, it's like, it's just so how it went. It was no calculation. Uh, we never said we wanted to be X or Y or Z. We always just wanted to be on the road. And we wanted to journey and learn and grow and change. And, da, 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 da. and like, yeah, I'll write a song with this person. I'll, I would love to do this, you know. And that's my answer to the question. I, I remember looking at the Madison Square Garden. I was standing on 34th Street or 8th Avenue and seeing the sign that said OAR. And it just said OAR sold out. And you know what's so fucked up about expectations or, or uh, the pressure people might put on you to be what they think you should be? The first thing I thought, instead of being proud, I was like, OAR sold out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, was, that was like my first thing. Cause I'm like, oh, shit. did we, did I really come from the you know, driveway and now I'm here and like, why can't I just celebrate this? And why can't I just be, and then that quickly faded. You're with your people and you're doing your thing. Right. But that's there. And it's there because I don't know why. Right. It's just, is what it is. So then from that point on, I, I just decided like, I'm just going to do what we do and whatever and genre it lands in. It's all good. That's huge, man. That's huge. Because like, for me, I just went through my first like bout of like actual haters and it had me yeah. fucked up for a minute, bro. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. dude, but I'm a stay at home dad. I don't drink. I'm like, why do you, why are you being mean to me? You know? And I went through this whole like thing of like, you know, and then this next record that we, that we just made is, is very different. So there was like, when the first single hit, people were like, what the fuck are you doing, man? So yeah. I was fucked up for a little bit. And I was like, I think I'm just going to delete social media. <laughs> like, how am I going to deal with this? And then I came back to, to this thing of just like, wait a minute, dude, you can't tell me who I am. I know who I am and I'm just going to be who I am. And if you don't like it, then okay that you know that's cool I, I i think there's there's something to be said about 
the authenticity of OAR because there's no you guys have never put out anything where I was like oh this is like even your songs that were hits it was like no this is still that band this song's just catchy as shit you know you know Dude, we're lucky that's another we're, we got so damn lucky you know I'm like I'm like walking outside in LA uh first time my wife and I we ran an RV we drive the whole country take our dogs we get to Los Angeles to make this big shot record you know all this fun stuff we're working with amazing producers da, 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 da. and it's like I have these rhythms on tape I have this great soundtrack a band is killing everyone's like so fucking good and I'm just like shit I have no words I walk outside I see this guy drive away comes back five minutes later and I'm like oh turn the car around it's like and you write it down you record it and then luckily it's a hit song it's like hit songs if you chase that shit down you'll never get it I mean there are people who know how to do that and I'm, I'm always trying to find them and work with them just to see what that craft is like but that's not me um I just basically do what we do and we get lucky with it landing in the zeitgeist on the radio in some fashion right so we got I think, you know, and if you combine it with effort and also teaming with the right people, uh, who cares what people think uh, on the outside of that? I have to, you know, you f I find the appreciation of, of uh, a hit song or the appreciation of what some may call a pop song. It, it's like, wow, how, that sounds great. You know, uh, that comes from, I think, time. My wife saying, hey, check out the shit we used to listen to, you know, back in the day. and and check out the, some of the like, some of the hit songs that we'd listen to, and the pop songs. And if you listen to them, they sound really good. You got like oh, Jimmy yeah. Jam on there, and all these killers, you know, making these amazing songs, you know, for Janet Jackson, all this. And like at the time, it's pop, quote unquote, pop music. Um, so I'm just trying to find an appreciation for writers, recording, producers, things like that, and making experiences out of that. And if you get lucky and you get a hit, great. Then never chase it. Yeah, man. Well, I think there's to what you were saying earlier i think so many bands and artists are always trying to like reinvent the wheel and like i just had um chris shiflett from the foo fighters on and i was just like dude you guys have been relevant for fucking ever and he's like well yeah dude we make a record we tour that record we make another record we tour that record and it's like that's really it and it's like if your band is good something's gonna land eventually or you'll just be like a dispatch that's just like yeah dude we don't have any hit song to point to but we still can sell twenty thousand tickets in the right spot you know and and that's what we you know that that's like the dream of that's that's what you want you know in my opinion i mean you know i love a good hit song and that's amazing but like to dispatch is a shining example of uh the living breathing music business of like music music you know getting out there on the road and making it happen and, and staying away for a while and coming back with a huge cause and and helping people and really believing in what you're saying and and that's like hearkening back to i think the the 60s and the, you know a lot of folks who really utilizing their platform to help or, or to spread messages and and i i love that i think that's amazing thing so they're a great example fronty you know the he, he's someone also who I think walks the walk. Um, you know, I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, I, I know we went on a USO tour and when we came back and wanted to see who was doing what and, and Franti had maybe gone into Iraq into, uh, <laughs> on, on, on his own, right. Bro. To play music and be with the people. Bro. Right. So, you know, yeah, so he goes walking the walk. Okay. Yeah, his whole thing was like he goes, okay, so we're being inundated every day in the news on what's going on in Iraq and in on the Gaza Strip, and he goes, well, I'm just gonna hire a camera crew and go check it out. So we hired like two special forces guys that had backgrounds in running cameras, and he went and fucking lived in Baghdad for a month and then like hung out on the Gaza Strip just talking to soldiers from both sides would play a song here and there but like yeah like you're saying man i mean what a what a special dude to just be like well i don't know the news seems sketchy i'm just gonna go check it out myself you know go to baghdad in the middle of a war you know just you know that's always been his thing and then and, but what's been cool to see him recently 
is I feel like soon after that, he kind of just started really aiming to write songs about the human experience um, and like the joys of just having a life. And then that was when he went from, you know, from being kind of this underground sensation to having songs in the top 20, you know, and hitting hitting that universal nerve. And, and that's, and that's what I think is the is the combination I'm stumbling toward saying is that having both the road and worldly like and he's got the, the more than two three four aspects yep. of his career like uh, to add the recognition of like a radio situation it it helps you in so many ways and uh, I think that's what the goal is to have like that. A little of this, a little of that, a little of this, a little of that. Maintain, keep yourself going so that you can continue to be an artist. So a lot of the things that I'm realizing is that, you know, we're all just trying to continue doing what we're doing. We're not trying to like become zillionaires. We're not trying to like be huge star. We're trying to continue to be able to be artists and writers and producers and, and uh, touring musicians and all these things, you know? Yeah. And all those, right. And having a song out there um, really helps maintain that infrastructure. And I think that that's an important aspect of, of what we do. And in order to have that, you have to try a lot of different things to achieve that because you never know what's going to connect. Um, and that's our job is to come up with new songs. Again, coming back to like, what is it we do? It's like, the world is going to be the world. We can do what we, but what we do is make songs. Yeah. So let's make songs. Dude. I, I love the acceptance of that. It's like, I, I had that, I've had that conversation with my wife a bunch and my manager and was like, that's it, dude. That's what we're supposed to do. Like if you're an artist, that's your job. When shit's totally hitting the fan, your job isn't to like reinvent yourself into you know some weird way to help it's to be an artist because like i my mentor when i was in high school um you know i was like the dickhead kid in high school that told every teacher like yeah i don't need math i'm gonna be a musician so like you know i just i what i no teachers really got me but i had this art teacher that was a mentor to me and he said you know, all of these same people that, that are telling you that you can't be an artist are the same people that have a song when they're feeling sad. They have a song when they're feeling happy. They have a yeah. song when they're driving to the beach. And it's like, be that, be that. That's like the ultimate comeback is just like, no, I'm going to be the art that like helps you get through your shitty day because you don't like what you do, you know? Yeah. And I think that's so yeah. important is, that, like, is, is one thing that if being a touring musician, there's this thing of like, you know, most people don't love their jobs. You know, most people tolerate their jobs because like we were saying, it provides. So it's like, I just take it really, really seriously that someone would spend their $24 on a Wednesday night to come hang out with me for 90 minutes. So it's just like, dude, I don't give a shit if I'm sick fighting with my wife or whatever like i'm gonna give you 120 percent of me because you gotta yeah. go to work tomorrow and i just gotta go do this again you know which is my favorite thing in the world to do no and that's the truth about it and the thing is when they spend their 24 bucks and their time to be with you it's like your job is to do that show it's not to like come out there and wow i don't feel good i'm upset about that no it's like i go to the golf course you pay money for greens fees you're there to play golf. It's like, I'm not there to, the golf course is not going to do some other thing. It's just be a golf course. It's like, they're not coming <laughs> to hear you. <laughs> like, so, and that's a huge part of what OAR is about. It's like, we used it as a, <clears throat> for this area where we come from, it became a, it was Thirsty Thursdays at the Grand Marquis, an old biker bar. And we would go there and the, the teachers would be there. The parents would be there. The kids would be there. And, everyone would like throw caution to the wind and, and drink some beers and watch us play some music. And like, we provided that Thursday night. Uh, and then we provided more nights along the way, but that was our job. So that's just my personal feeling. I know that there are other ways to look at the music business and things like that, but just for us, I, I wanna really stick to why we did it in the first place. 
life curve uh, give people a break and fun and 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 maybe a hope a little heartfeltness out of a two hour um, experience you know yeah so through your whole thing I want to ask a little bit about just like you guys have you and your band have been a band since you were in like middle school right you guys have known each other forever right yeah, so we started off, it was the uh, eighth grade talent show was the first show for us. And we basically really liked having that type of like live experience and show. So we chased that down from that point on. We would play in the cafeteria. We would play at people's backyards, at the birthday parties and all the things in the neighborhoods. And I just remember playing on, on a lot of decks and people's backyards. And that was what we did. And then we saw that we were selling and making CDs with disc makers and selling them around town. We started out with tapes in the, in the hallways for five bucks and we never got in trouble. You know, we made our cover in newspaper class, everything was cool. And we thought we had a little bit more of a, a shot to grow regionally. We'd watched Dave Matthews band do it over there in Virginia and we were coming from Maryland and we thought like maybe we can do that. And that was our goal at that point was to kind of like be the Maryland, you know, touring band. And then we kind of thought, hey, what about beyond that? What can we do? And we started sending our CDs with our friends who are at colleges all over the country, said, here's a case of 25. If you can sell them, great. If you can't, I'll give them away. But what we really want here is the mailing list. Um, and we want the names. So I still have this thing. I call it the sales rep program. And it's like a notebook sitting in my room and it's a list of just names and email addresses. And we, our goal was to just grow. Napster came along. We started chasing down popularity on Napster and going and flying to Arizona and Vegas and all these places where we were having recognition. And we ended up playing shows there and that's how we grew it. And then we just started making records independently started our label and as we had success with our first live album from dc i think that's when it really took off we had a song on there with uh junior marvin from the whalers playing guitar covering some marley and, and it really spread and took us to places i think that we were we didn't know we were about to go and then uh signed with the major label but even prior to that we had we were on our way to a good place and it all came from the neighborhood you know, we all started out together in this neighborhood and it was the, it was very localized. And that's why I kind of really am into the Goonies and the Stranger Things type vibe because that's what we are used to, you know. Man, how wild. Sorry, the, the, sun, the sun is taking on a new angle. I'm trying to find, can you even see me? In yeah, no, I got you. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, how surreal is it when you're doing like a Red Rocks or an MSG to like look over and see your fucking childhood best friend and be like, whoa, bro. <laughs> From the deck yeah. of a birthday party to Madison Square Garden. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that, a lot of that type of feeling and camaraderie because what we did, we decided when we were backstage at Madison Square Garden and we always, we point to that show and I'm not like, I don't care if it's like overkill, you know, it's because that was like our, turning point in a lot of ways that's a huge deal we said look yeah so from this point on every night is msg so we decided you know we don't play the, an arena every night and we're going to go somewhere that we might not be in an arena but we're going to take the arena attitude into that and there's a lot of that there's a lot of friends uh family type vibe on stage backstage around stage morning noon and night it's it's the whole thing is about that and once it kind of gets off that, we'll know, hey, you know, it's time to kind of hang it up. But we're actually having so much fun. And I say currently because I'm still kind of in my head, still on that last tour, I guess, thinking about it. But the camaraderie is there and it's always the main driver in what we do. Yeah, it's noticeable. It's noticeable. The other thing that was a huge takeaway for me is I had never got to see you guys live before prior to the Aspen shows. Oh. And I was blown away. You guys sound exactly like your records live. 
like oh, you know you know it's it's there's so many bands you know without <laughs> without throwing shade there's so many bands that you see and you're like well that that sounds different but like yeah i was blown away by how good you guys sounded live and it, the belly up i believe is some of the best sound in the country too because it's never too loud it's always like you're just mm -hmm. like listening to a band at a reasonable level um but yeah, that was one thing me and my whole team were blown away by. I was like, fuck, man, this shit just sounds perfect. Oh, dude, that's so nice, man. Coming yeah, from that, another musician, that means a lot. Because we, we hold a high standard to everybody in the group, and we want to make sure that we're all performing and making it sound as close as we can. And uh, close to, like, you know, respectable for the fan base. You know, they come there, they spend, like you said, they spend their money. They don't. They're not there to hear some trash, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely you know, not. You know? <laughs> no, it was cool, too. The, well, thank uh, you. You guys do a good job at creating space, too. Like, where your jams aren't... When you guys go into these jams, uh, it almost felt like a reset. And I, and I really love when bands can do that, where it's not this, like, okay, we're going to take you on the... You know, jam bands are good at that. But I think bands that are song bands, like OAR is a song band. And, and I really respect, uh, Trevor Hall is another artist that is really good at this during his live shows, is kind of create this like breather thing where like the music's still going and everyone can be like, okay, cool, we'll reset. And then the song comes back on. And um, yeah, man, I really enjoyed the show. It's been a long time since we played with someone where I got to just be a fan and just watch a show and be like, and, and take it in, you know? Dude, everyone loved you, man. I mean, it was like, it was so interesting because I'd, I'd heard your name prior to that, but then since that, I've like heard, I've just followed your world, you know, and a lot of our guys have. And like, when I saw you pop up um, with some stories about Franti and all this, and it started to kind of all come together. Oh, I remember this. You know? And that's exciting for me to see that uh, people are growing, like artists are growing and getting bigger and bigger and more, uh, like you're saying with your music is evolving, right? So I've watched your your current um, adventure, I would call it, right? I mean, you are out there, right? I mean, you are like chopping wood, you're making yeah. that shit happen. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's, it's like, life. you know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's, has found, I've found that interesting. I've, I've wanted to know what's going on. And I think that that's what we're all looking for. It's like, we're all looking for folks that bring out things in us. It's not, like I can see myself like right now I'm looking out in, into a nice, you know, some trees, some fields, some farm, you know, and it's really, it brings out a certain part of me. And then I have a city side of me as well. So when I'm watching you create your new music, it's like, I want, Hey, I want to go do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to do that. That looks fun. Uh, and I think that's really inspiring and important, you know, because for the artists coming up now, I think it's really important that, they get out there. Um, it's easy to sit inside and make some songs. Uh, you know, get out there and try some things. Uh, I think that's important for young artists to see that because music sometimes now it seems it's in these in these small, very perfectly delivered boxes of um, just like really edible music that makes you feel good or something. It's like, but. I want to see a little more depth. And I think that's the only way to get that is to get out there. I, you know, this like driver's license song now, for instance, seems like, wow, that's a connected song. That's depth. That's talking about shit like driving around the suburbs, like with your first love, you know, that's exciting. I think it's important. I don't, the party aspects of a single word getting, getting through a chorus, it sounds cool to me, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's important that we show our growth and show our trying new things and getting out there so that every artist continues to do that. And it keeps moving us forward. Yeah, man. That means a lot to hear you say that, that you've even uh, heard of us and, <laughs> and what we're doing. Um, Cause yeah, that's always kind of the constant thing with the level that we're at is, you know, COVID was a real face punch for us because, you know, the, uh, two nights before we did those shows with you, we sold out the Bluebird in Denver, which had been a big goal of mine for a while. You know, it's a 700 person room. And I just was like, dude, if we could sell 700 tickets in Denver, oh my God, you know, that would be such a big deal. 
Yeah. And, th and then we were looking at, um, you know, this spring tour of our own where we had two, three, 400 tickets sold in every market. And it was just like, holy shit, it's happening. You know, like this natural build is happening. And um, so I've really tried to use this whole break as a way to just be like, okay, well, I'll just invite people into the story then. You know, if, if we can't play shows with them, let's keep them interested. And, um, you know, a piece of advice that you gave me when I was telling you that I've been doing all these press and Zoom calls and it's like the same thing over and over again. And you were like, yeah, do every single do one. All. Yeah. yeah. And it's been, it's been really cool. You know, it's been, it's been really cool of just like, wait, what a fucking blessing that this magazine even gives a fuck about what I'm doing, you know? Um, so kind of flipping the script on it of, of not being like, oh, I'm going to have to do another one of those. Um, but being like, oh, I get to do this. Like, how fucking cool right. that this journalist even gives a shit what I'm up to right now, you know? Yeah, it's the get to attitude that's that we have to maintain, we have to hold on to. I, you know, we forget, even I, you know, I forget all the time. I mean, on a daily basis, I'm going through something where I, I get self centered to the point of like, you know, wow, bro, you, <laughs> you make songs, chill out, you know, don't take yeah, it for seriously. a living. Yeah. And, you know, and that, and that's important too, but the get to attitude that you're talking about, it reminds me of like working with this gentleman in Nashville that had the tattoo on his wrist. that said, I, you know, I get to, I don't know what he meant, but that's, that's what he meant, you know? Oh, and he was an engineer and yeah, he came from a long way away to get there. And I thought that was really cool. And, I always, I always held on to that get to, I like that. Yeah, I like that. So I have some, um, some standard questions that I ask every musician. Um, so we'll rock these out rapid fire style and then I can cut you loose. Um, what is the fit, your favorite band that you've played or toured with? My favorite band that I played or toured with? Yeah. I, I, oh my God, that's so hard. I'm trying to think of like my favorite band of Peter George. So the best touring experience that I've had was probably the Jeep World Outside Festival. That was just our first big tour. It was Ziggy Marley and uh, Sheryl Crow and all kinds of interesting folks. And uh, I believe we, we really enjoyed that. It was with Train on there. It was the first time we worked with them. That was a lot of fun. Watching Dave Matthews work every night uh, as a band is just incredible. You get blown away by what they're doing on the on the day. The show with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers was huge to watch. Uh, all those players just, you know, out of That's control. My, that was in Denver. He's my favorite of festival, all time. Which was a big one for us. Um, what is that? I said Tom Petty's my favorite of all time. That's like my... That's like my guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like the most amazing day. And we got to make a record with some of those guys, which was also amazing to watch. But the live thing, it just varies. I mean, the roots were such a huge part of our coming up, watching them just kill every single night. And they're so good. That was a huge part of coming up for us. God, I mean, that's why I stalled on the question. There's so many great bands I don't even know I've seen yeah everybody just makes me like whenever I see a band perform live and they sound great and are happy to be there I love them if I see a band that's not happy to be there I'm not really into that you know yeah that's I don't so, but I haven't seen I haven't seen many of that I haven't seen many of that yeah that whole ad you know the one thing that I really dug about um playing with you is it's is it's always refreshing to see a band that's done MSG, that sells thousands of tickets, that's had songs on the radios that are still just fucking dudes. You know, it hasn't happened. Oh, often dude bros. Yeah, <laughs> when, 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 you meet, when you meet people that are successful and they have, like, I just hate entitlement, man. Cause, Cause like we were just saying, it's like, dude, get a fucking play songs for a living. That's dope as shit. Like that's the lottery, man. <laughs> so it's like, you know, to be entitled or to be, uh, anything less than like super happy to be here, you know, is just silly to me. Um, yeah, that's that's right. 
you know, that's, that's, that's how I judge who I'm happy to be on tour with. I, I've never, I can't even think of one person or a group that I, <laughs> I'm like, that I didn't like being on the road. You know what I mean? I just yeah. don't, I can't think of anyone. So that's why the question, I love everything about it. I love the diesel in the, in the parking lot. I love the stairwells and hallways, you know, catering. I just, I like, I like that lifestyle. Yeah. yeah, me too. And for me, I always like, I actually like being the dudes in a van on a bus tour. You know, like I, I totally love that vibe of just like rolling up and being like, for me, it was always very motivating of just like, yeah, like I've always looked at my career as like, when we were touring and playing for nobody, I was like, oh yeah, we're just in this phase. This is the phase of the career that I'm in. I'm not, it was, it was never like defeating to me. I was like, oh yeah, this is just that part of the story. And then when we were on tour with Franti and, and Trevor and these bigger bands that had two and three buses, it was just like, oh yeah, this is what we're going towards. So like right now we're in the van phase. Oh, now we're in the van and trailer phase, you know? And it's just like, I just have always looked at it that way of just like, oh yeah, man, we're just in this phase rather than like, oh man, I want a fucking bus. It's just like, oh yeah, we'll get to that phase when it's time for that phase. Yeah. And it's up to you. It's when you, you know, it's not, no one's going to give it to, no one gives you a bus and goes, Hey, this costs nothing. Here you go. You know, yeah. and you're in the van, <laughs> yeah. you're doing, yeah. So like you do the van for a reason and you're happy to do it. Right. And then, but that's part of the paying the, the dues part that I think, is so important because you're happy to be there and it's hard uh the van on the bus tour we've done that and you do the sprinter and you do that you know you bust through and it's great when you get that bus because you know you're paying for it and you utilize it for sleep purposes because that's why you got it, you know yeah. uh you gotta the party aspect of it comes and goes but it's it's there for a reason um but i'll tell you what bro it's like you got that attitude that it's just not in everybody. So a lot of people want to be famous and that's fine. Yeah. That's I love totally the grind. Cool. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta grind. There's no other way to get there. I don't think, I mean, there's new ways to get there, but I think that's not for us. Not for me. No, man. I like the, yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. I love the story, dude. And I don't want the like overnight thing. I want when we get in the bus to be like, yeah, dude, I work my ass off for this bus. That's why we're in it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't stumble upon this bus. I paid my 30 grand and now it's mine for the three weeks that we're on it. You know, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Cause it's, it, again, you know, what we keep coming back to is you're doing this touring to spread your music, to allow you to be an artist, to give you the opportunity to express yourself, to deal with the world that's coming down on you in a specific way. And it's like, everyone deals with that in a different way. Some people go and work out constantly like yourself yep. and like get that out. And I, I, I love that. I think other people will go and any, any sort of out, outlet, but for when you know what your outlet is and you're not searching for it, it's like, you got to just go do that. I mean, I follow what you say a lot in the, in the terms of fighting and training. Uh, like fighting is the last resort, right? It's like the training is what it's really all about. And yep. I think that like, that's, that's another known outlet. Um, so when you know that's what your outlet is, like I know what it is, that's what we go and do. And you'll do anything to make that happen. Not because you want to be famous, but because it is your therapy. It's my thing. Yeah. It's my thing. It's what yeah. I'm here for. Yeah. Um, and so again, you know, the get to, I feel it, man. I love that you still have that man. It's really special that you have come as far as you have and still have that, that thing that, that music isn't your job, that it's your thing. Like this is, this is my thing, man. This is what I got. You know, these songs are my thing. That's really beautiful, man. I, I respect that a lot. Well, thanks. What was the first record that made you cry? Or song? So the, right, the first song that made me cry. Oh man, ah, oh, the Boys to Men, Say Goodbye to Yesterday. How could I? Oh yeah. My, again, my grandma had just passed that song. Absolutely, 100% was the first song that made me cry that's awesome yeah boy boys it's funny boys to men was one of the first things i remember being really young 
and watching Boys to Men on MTV and being like, I want to do that. Some version of that. That just looks cool as shit. You know, those guys are so cool. Um, the best. What was the first uh, band record or song that made you know um, that you wanted to do music? So for me, it started with uh, this band called Crowded House that, you know, they had this self-titled album called Crowded House. I would listen to on over and over and over and over. It was a tape over again. They had a, you know, a song on there, a lyric that says, you know, she came all the way from America. She had a blind day with destiny. And I didn't understand what, they, I was so young. What did they mean all the way from America? Like to where, you know, there's more to this world than where I live, my little space. And it immediately opened up my eyes to the fact that there's a place called Australia and New Zealand and people live there and they make songs. And I'm, you know, it, it gave me a worldly view. My brothers opened me up to Bob Marley and the Whalers and Peter Tosh and um, a, a more worldly view, some UK folks that I was watching. And, and that, that is what kind of opened me up was his tapes. But my own stuff was Crowded House, which then led to Pearl Jam which became everything to us. We saw them do their unplugged performance and that was Ooh. every day after school. So that was huge for us. And, and from that point on, I'm guilty of really only liking a few artists. You know, Billy Joel is a huge artist to me. Uh, and I'm Great guilty songwriter. of only listening, yeah, listening to the same stuff over and over. I'm not out there finding new you know, things along the way. If someone turns me on to something, then I'll just listen to that for five years. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, I'm it's guilty bad, of the but, same thing, yeah. man. It's funny, like, especially in the gym, I listen to the same three records when I work out. And every time I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to switch it up and I'll get like two songs into something else. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm just going to listen to Victory Lap again. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's your jam. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't, right now I listen in the gym. It's like the same, the same exact songs, even just over and over, you yeah. know, the same everything just to like focus and get it, get through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love, it's funny. I was going back and forth with Richard on Instagram and he was telling me that you guys work out a lot on the road and like set up a little boxing gym. And like, for me, man, that I can't do all my other shit if I haven't worked out. So like I wake up, 5:30 in the morning I get to the gym before my family wakes up so I can get it out of the way because I just have to have that thing yeah. in the back of my head that was like no nah, I worked out today everything else should come easy um and it's cool right. to see other artists out there right. that are that are still we do. on that tip you know that's awesome man yeah we got to do some well, shows you know, together yeah, dude so me, we can I train had, you know, yeah <laughs> we got a great little gym and 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 it's fun and it's it's not something I did like for my 20s I didn't do I just like partied rock and roll tour sure crazy crazy but I was in fine shape because I was in my 20s but then after that it was like oh you got it bro if even like today for example I, I haven't done one thing and I I am so <laughs> not awake from just not having that part of my day done yet that I, you realize what an important part of your day it really is. And like, I cannot do it in the evening. I understand people do that. That's great. I have to do it in the morning. Yeah. Um, today's been slow just because, yeah, you can't get to it. So that's important, I think. Um, and I'm, I realize these younger folks now I see are, are very much into their health and everything. I, I, I feel like these younger artists on the internet that my kids are into and they promote what seems like a pretty healthy lifestyle. And I, I'm, pretty pleased with that because the lifestyles we used to follow was party as hard as you can you know? yeah yeah and man I just couldn't even imagine I couldn't even imagine touring and just being fucking hung over and feeling like shit all the time man I just like because we were talking about that when I get on stage I want to be 100% in that like okay I'm here for you you're about to get 100% and if I'm hungover or feeling shitty, you're not getting 100%. No way, dude. You're getting a very diet version of, of what I could normally offer, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I realized, I realized years ago that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, if I listen to a tape, if I'm drinking, by the end of that, like, show, I sound terrible. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with having some drinks. I think well, that's cool. Whatever you want to do, that's, totally. that's cool. But for me, 
I, I, I either learned that, oh, it's one drink and it's because I, I feel like having a drink or something, but that's it. And even I spent all the last two summers before this whole thing, I didn't drink at all during the tour. Uh, not because I don't like drinking, but because I couldn't get up in the morning and I felt like crap. So it was a really nice break. And then you kind of find your zone. And I, I found mine and like, I like, yeah, I like a whiskey, you know, but um, singing with whiskey was not working anymore. <laughs> yeah. People say, yeah. wow, you sound different. You used to sound uh, scratchy and all banged up. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, when you smoke, cigs and and you drink a lot of whiskey you you will sound fucked up and eventually it catches up and you just are fucked up you know your voice will get fucked up yeah and that's life in the big city and like you know and that's fine and i never i judge i will never judge a human being for anything they do because for a million reasons you know uh i just found my balance in yep uh singing first if i can sing then i can work backwards from there yeah. You know? Yep. Absolutely. What's your favorite hip hop record of all time? So for me coming up, I would say that album wise, Three Feet High and Rising, nice. De La Soul, uh, Low End Theory, Tribe Ooh. Called Quest, uh, I mean, I know the Roots had an album or two that were really like, "Do you want more?" was a huge That's my album. Favorite. Yeah, uh, huge. You know what? That might be the biggest one for us. Was "Do you want more?" because of the fact that we were watching this shit happen, and we would go to Nine Thirty Club in DC and see them play, and it was holy shit! Like that snare drum. I got to see that snare drum live. So. Maybe that's the biggest one for us. And then, of course, a lot of the hit records that shaped our youth. You know, Illmatic for me was a huge record because uh, it was the first one I listened to in a car. That sounded good. Yeah. Uh, you know, a car with a good system. That was a huge record for me. And uh, 36 Chambers was huge uh, in our area where we came up, of course, in the whole world. Was a big record. I mean, I'm pointing toward the 90s a lot because that was really the the golden age of of boom bap like couldn't agree with up, you more man stuff, so. yeah we got very That's where very, I'm... very similar taste that was yeah you yeah. just named off probably my top five there yeah do you want yeah more? and i love and now i love logic yeah logic he comes from just down the street here and uh listening to him his appreciation of the, of that type of era in hip-hop is like what i love most about him because he can really bring it to the now the here and now i think that's really important and there's a million other artists who are great and amazing but like i said if i find one i just like dive right into his whole catalog you know it's been eminem it's been this one and this rapper this one but i think like you know royce the five nine is there's, it doesn't get much better than him so i just yep. i'm really appreciative of that style of lyric based talib quali you know black star most deaf like mm -hmm. that Great job, man. Good job. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. It's funny. I, I listen to to probably 90, 98% 90s boom bap. And when Logic came out with that boom bap record, also to have a track with the entire, every living member of the Wu-Tang Clan on it. I'm like, if that's not like a permanent hood pass of like, nah, man, you're, here you go. Here's the torch. I just thought that was so cool of him having such a young fan base and then being like, all right, cool. I'm going to show you guys what hip hop actually sounds like. Like, I thought that was such a cool move. Right. And people will, will go, of course, they'll go and attack him and say, well, I don't like this, this, and this about you. And I don't know, because that's just naturally what people do. Well, also naturally what the reason why hip hop came up was the battle and all these things and being able to deal with that and give it back. And I think that what he does a great job, like you said, is, showing such a young new fan base what this stuff is because otherwise they wouldn't hear it especially with wu-tang because all they know now of method man even or red man or anyone is through acting and they might not even they might have even missed that uh, i think that's really 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 cool and his collaborations with current artists as well are really great um, yep. i just listened to the song icy by him and, and and gucci all the time and i just like that i just I like what I like. Yeah, yeah, and there's no shame know. in that, man. No shame in that yeah. at all. 
Uh, what are your three favorite records right now? What are you spinning? <laughs> Man, right now, what am I spinning right now? Yeah, it's probably everything I've just told you. I, I don't, I don't know of anything that's coming out. I like, you know, Harry Styles. Any anything that he's doing, I I like because of, uh, you know, again, pay respects to song uh, sounds of the past and update them and make them sound great. You know, he's. I, I think he really represents an artist's freedom, man. And I just, I think that's really cool that my eight-year-old loves him. My wife loves him. I think he's great. This, you know, we all love him. It's just like, I think that's really cool. So I don't know what he's come out with lately besides the watermelon sugar thing and all that, but I do like listening to his music uh, with the family. It's mostly them on Alexa just showing me stuff all the time. Yeah. And yeah, and, man, that's, and I like it, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause so many artists bitch and complain about music being free and streaming services and all this. And like, I think people are looking at it with the wrong scope because the amount of people that have come up to me at one of our shows and been like, Hey, I heard you on OAR radio. Hey, I was listening to Michael Franti on Pandora and then you came on. Hey, you know, like, or, you know, it was like the, the algorithms of like, where they kind of will like curate a playlist for you. So yeah. many fans have found us through that Avenue by listening to these other bands and Spotify just goes, Oh, you'll probably like sat We'll throw them in there. You know, so yeah. it's like, I think that's so cool. That's how I find 99% of music is, is, is being like, you know, on Spotify where it's like, you might also like, it's like, yeah, well, shit, I got to drive. Let's check it out. You know? Um, and, and that's what it is now, you know? So again, it is what it is. A lot of folks, you know, when Napster came, they wanted to fight that, or you want to fight. <laughs> it's like, you can't spit into the wind, all those famous things, you know, or you don't spit in the wind. Right. It's like, you know, sharks keep moving because they got to keep moving to stay alive. It's like you got to all these things. These cliches are real. It's, it happens in music, too. You got to embrace it and enjoy it. And I think that's how I found any sort of new stuff has been through that. Right. So I'm thankful for that. But I, I can't like cite certain albums that I'm listening to that aren't older. Sure. Right now. Uh, I'm working on an album right now, so I don't really listen to too much as as it is, you know. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I know. I know that one. Uh, dude, it's funny you bring yeah. it on Napster. Before I let you go, I got to tell you the story because it's funny. So I'm friends with Brad from Dispatch, and they had done this East Coast tour way back in the day, and they were getting ready to take a hiatus. And then they got a show offer in Santa Cruz, California. You know, and this promoter was like, this show will pop off, you know. So they find out like, oh, yeah, there's a thousand tickets sold. And he's like, dude, we had never been west of Ohio. But they get to Santa Cruz and there's like 1,200 kids at this show. And he's like, how, uh, how the hell did this happen? Like, where, how did all these kids hear from us? And he's like, everyone kept saying Napster, Napster. <laughs> and he's like, so we play the show. And then at the end of the show, I'm like talking to the promoter. And I'm like, cool, when do we get to meet Napster, man? Like who is this kid? You know, like he thought Napster was the person that was like out there like handing his CDs out or some shit. He had no idea um, what it actually was. <laughs> I can relate to that. I, Chris, our drummer, who's always been the tech guy who knows stuff, he was trying to explain it. I remember being in college, like, how do people know our songs? And he showed me all this shit. I'm like, damn. I like download one song. It might have been the general. It might yeah. have been that. Uh, and then I was, I got over it because of my sheer laziness for technology. Like even being on a phone, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not killing it when it comes to technology. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So even then, I just wasn't that into it. But I, I, I saw what was happening. I knew it was happening, and I knew where we had to go, and that was embrace it and follow it. So it's like. Right now with, uh, 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 shit, what's it called? Um, you're in a place, Shazam. Yep. Shazam will show you where people are listening and trying to find out who the hell you are. Uh, you go there with your music and play there. You know, it's like you go to Shazam, you find out these pockets of who is actively trying to find out who the fuck you are. And you go there. And this is the same thing we did with Napster. And I think that this is the same thing, geo-locating uh, where your hotspots are is going to become 
and still has always been, but even more and more important for the physical playing of music is to track down, like G-Love, you see him out there right now doing his thing. And he'll say, yo, I'm coming through Virginia, DC, da 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 If you want a house party, I'm coming, I'm doing that. That is exactly what we're, we're going to be all doing, is kind of like locating our hotspots and going there, creating events that are safe for our fan base. And it's not going to be who does it first, it's who does it right. And that's essentially touring in the new era. You can't just jump into touring everywhere without and spend the, you know, X amount on production every single day, but each day is a different production look, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. You got to create your own event. And I think that's an interesting thing uh, that technology provides is the location of these folks who give a crap about you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's huge too. Yeah, man. Well, dude, I'm so grateful for you taking time and um yeah i'm i'm on the stay at home dad vibes too so i I know the struggle and i know how hard it is to get an hour to <laughs> to not have to wrestle somebody so um i appreciate Dude, it is all good man i i look forward to it i had prepared as best i could at barricading myself and uh <laughs> we were all hip to it and i appreciate the time and the opportunity to talk music and touring with you and I love what you're doing and you, uh, I'm really looking forward to the new music being played live to the people. And I, uh, I think, you know, having spoken with you, you're exactly how I expected you to be um, driven in all the right directions. So I wish you nothing but luck and I'm sure we'll do it together someday. Yeah, I hope so, man. Well, God bless you, man. And uh, we'll Back talk soon. All, all right, right, brother. Peace, bro. Peace. All right, y'all. That was Mark. Hope you dig. Um, I'm not sure who the next episode is going to be. I have three or four people lined out, so I'm not not sure who I'll get to first. Um, but I am headed to Texas. Um, we're going to be playing in Dallas. That show, I think, has like seven tickets left. And then uh, the Austin shows, one is sold out, and the other one also has less than ten tickets left. So I'm excited to do that. I'm going to hop on Aubrey Marcus's podcast, Amy Edwards' podcast. Doing a bunch of cool shit down there. Going to get some stem cells from uh, Ways to Well. Shout out Ways to Well in Austin, Texas. Um, yeah. Fucking love y'all. Hope you're staying strong. Hope you're feeling good. And uh, yeah, as always, drink water. Be good to one another and talk to strangers. See you next week.